I do decelerate a lot in my backstroke entry, which is not good for long course backstroke. So going out with my arms wider and being more connected will help me get into my catch more efficiently and more quicker. And that will basically help me be able to swim faster in long course. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got a modified crew. No Luke, he's traveling, but we got Dr. John Mullen and an extra here with two guys joining us from the Cal Berkeley. Golden Bears, Destin Lasco, Hugo Gonzalez. What's up, guys? Thank you for Hi, having man. us today. <laughs> All right, so we always uh, pull our audience on Instagram before, so we got a little mashup of some questions to get us started, both intro from us and from the audience. First, Hugo, as a fresh Cal graduate, what is the state capital of California? Um, <laughs> I don't think I can answer that question yet. <laughs> help him out, Destin. Help him out. <laughs> Sacramento? There we go. All Woo! right. Justin, what does GPT stand for in chat GPT? Oh my goodness. Generated. I don't know. I don't know GPT actually. Hugo, do you know? Help me out. No, I've, I've used it. I've used it before. Me too. I've used it too. Everybody's heard of it. So shame on all of us. Chat GPT yeah. is generative pre-trained transformer. My roommate would know that. Uh, <laughs> speaking of speaking roommates or teammates anyway, uh, this one's from the audience and uh, your pal Bella Riley. Favorite part about Wednesday morning backstroke group, Dustin? Oh, um, it would have to be just Matt's practices because he, he's just really intuitive with his work and how to break down the stroke. So I think that's what I look forward to the most. And so definitely uh, Matt's just practices in general are really cool. Shout out right. to Bella. <laughs> Hugo, uh, have you ever met someone who can whistle louder than Dave Durden? Um, no. Here, I think Dave Durden gets the top. <laughs> All right. And uh, from friend of the pod, Daniel Carr, this one's for either of you, and I'm sure there's oh, a backstory man. here. What is the most memorable moment at OTC? <laughs> oh, man. There's so many. That, there's so many. There, like what part like practices or like that's the thing like the most memorable part about otc at least for me this time around was seeing hugo get back into it like you remember when you did like the what you did four ones best average like one of each suited off the block and then a 200 im all out yeah and like you like literally killed it and like you're like yeah i just got back like a couple <laughs> couple weeks ago and i was like dude i've been training for like months and you could just pull this off so like i think that was my most memorable moment seeing hugo get back into it but but embracing everything so that was like my favorite moment at otc is that the way it always is with hugo that he's flexing on you like that <laughs> you know yeah no hugo is just he just uh such a hard worker and he has it both he has the talent and the work ethic so that it when it comes together as one like that's why hugo is where he he is today hugo what about you what's your otc story um mine mine doesn't really have to be so much about swimming um i feel like for me otc is a place where we can really get to know each other because you know we get to spend 21 days living together all the time, which is not like here, here you go to the swimming pool, you go to classes, you get back home. But there, um, obviously there's no classes going on, but I feel like every single moment that you're struggling with anything, you're gonna have teammates around. Even like when you have, when you want time off, you have a teammate too, because uh, two bedroom uh, rooms. So there's always somebody to talk to, there's always somebody to um, get a different perspective. And, you know, especially when we have the days off, we used to have, especially when Dana Carr was on the team, we used to have this uh, tradition of going to his house and meeting all his family. And just, you know, just having a good time, disconnect from, uh, from all the routine that we usually have regarding swimming. I think those times that we got to spend together, like getting to know each other outside of the swimming pool, outside of classes were the most memorable ones. On that note, Hugo, I mean, you just, I know that, well, actually, I'm curious if you're going to stick around and train and we can talk about that, but having just finished up with your eligibility and graduated, what, what are you going to miss most about being around this squad? Um, it's probably going to be the meets. I mean, 
even if Achan was a pro, like we we always train together, we do the same practices. Uh, the only thing that changes is our approach or our taper schedule compared to like what means we want to race fast or not. But our program is the most um, the dual means conference meet, especially NCs. It's there's really no other need where you can really convert swimming into a team sport, um, and that's what I feel like it makes it so easy to get back into the team. Doesn't matter if you've been well, if I'm being in Spain for the last whole semester, because once you get back, you see all your teammates working for the same goal, and that's what pushes you to make yourself better, make your teammates better. So it's probably going to be all the dual meets, even though you know. You know how how much they hurt, but there's still there's still a, such a team score where you cannot find it anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine, uh, and I'd say this with like the ultimate respect because it was so much fun watching you, uh, especially all, all all of the time. As I told you before, we got on, but um, but like stomp on that NCA record in the four IM uh, last year, and then uh, but that could not have been a fun dual meet swim to have lay on break it right next to you, right? <laughs> No, no, it was that. I mean, that dual meet, that would mean that Leon broke my record. I wasn't even thinking about a record. I was just, sure. um, I was just focused on, on trying to get better, trying to get ready for NCs. I mean, I knew that we we're gonna be fast because they let us know before. But yeah, it's always it's, it's never fun to get a lap in a race. But you know, that was not that was not our focus. So it was, it was fine. I, yeah, totally. we're, we're just thinking about the end of March and that's what we prepare for. Yeah. I think you guys have like the ultimate, um, you have the ultimate, uh, just confidence to rock beards at conference meets and just, it takes, a, it takes a lot to have the style of kind of meet preparation and intro that, um, that you guys do and that the program does. Uh, and I just think that's like one of the coolest things to just be able to, handle um any roadblocks or you know speed bumps in the in the middle of the season and just be like hey well you know it's all intrinsic and you know you guys we've even been talking about having this conversation for for a while you're like yeah yeah the focus is on ncas and i have so much respect for for that and where your heads are and where your confidence is just like hey look this is the focus we're continuing to charge on the path we trust the plan Every Cal Bear that we've talked to has the ultimate trust for Dave Durden. I did. He recruited me to swim in college. And, um, you know, and I, I just think that's so cool that when you show up, you believe in the plan and then, you know, you back it up. It's like, okay, everyone else can do nothing but just clap for that and that approach. So I don't know. That's pretty cool to see you guys. Thank you. And Dustin, I, I think it was at Pac 12, you said, hey, sorry we're not talking until after NCs, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just um, just that time for me, at least just talking from my perspective, it, it's pretty stressful with, you know, gearing up for championship season, especially with like school and swimming. And especially like Dave expects like a lot from like the team, especially me as well. Like with my lineup, he put me in every single relay and every single individual that he could. And like you said, Brian, full beard and everything. So I, and I knew I wasn't going to go into that meet like full charge at all. And I knew I had to be in the right mind space and locked in because, um, we knew that ASU was just going to be phenomenal just from like the dual meet and what they were putting up times and everything. So like you said, John, like you're just putting on the blinders and just focusing on where you're at at the point in the season. And, you know, everything comes down, boils down to March. And that's what I was just really focused on was just you know, scoring as many points for my team as possible in March and it came to fruition. And now like you guys are going to get the behind the scenes of, you know, what it took to get there. So what did it take to get there? Uh, well, it, I think going back, uh, getting second at pac 12s was, I think one of the best things that happened to us because we were, we were good. I mean, we had a really solid team, you know, we had Lucas come in, um, from Belgium. He was a great addition. And us getting second at Pac-12s really prepared us for NCs because it wasn't just ASU who was ASU that was firing at the meet. It was Florida, it was Texas, it was Indiana. There were so many people that were just in the mix at some point in the meet. And for us, just you know, coming up short a little bit, it was like, all right, we know how to bounce back, and you know adapt and overcome. And I can just give you a prime example of that was the four medley relay, right? We got fifth. 
And, you know, we were getting a little emotional after the the race. And I was just telling like my teammates, like, it's not over till it's over. Right. So the next day, you know, me and Hugo going one, two and the two back just basically stamped that we're like, all right, it's over. It's, it's time to swim free and it's time to have fun. And it just all goes back. And what it took was getting second at pac 12s. And I look at that as the turning point of what pushed us to, you know, win NCs. So if you screw up to this next year, Destin, are you going to plan on getting second at pac 12s again? Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Cause you know, it's Olympic year next year. Right. So yeah. it, it's all part of the plan now to start prepping for, I know it's, I don't want to think too far in the future, but trials is going to be the main focus. So pac 12s is just going to be, I don't even know what's, what's going to be next year, but so we'll see. Yeah. I always think about, you know, that, um, many years ago, I think, I don't remember if we talked to Gary Hall about this, but, uh, in 96, they actually moved Olympic trials up. So like basically guys had to choose between NCAAs and Olympic trials. So there are a bunch of guys who just sat out that year. Um, and, but given that trials, the U S always now holds the trials in the middle of the summer instead of like other countries that have it stacked right after NCAAs in April. Um, I wonder, like, does it, do you think it actually does have an impact on preparation through those meets? Like you're saying, oh, well, maybe we train a little bit more through just so that we don't have any kind of a double taper early in the year. And maybe we only prep for NCs. Does it change how much you actually come down for NCs? Do you think? Yeah, no, it, it's definitely, I felt it a lot last year with having world championship trials at Greensboro three weeks after NCs. No, that was really tough for me, mm -hmm. at least, because I remember being in the ready room at World Championship Trials and not even being nervous. Like, I just felt numb because coming off of, like Pac-12 NCs and then going into that World Championship Trials meet, I just felt numb to the to the excitement of racing that you should have before a race. So it, it kind of took me off guard a little bit. But, you know, looking forward now, like, like you're saying, like, I think it's really good having, you know, such a big space between ncs and uh, olympic trials and it's really tough like I'm, i've seen like our teammate like sebastian somerset like he had to fly to great britain to do his championship trials and it's so tough i don't know how he does that but it's like i give i give the international guys like a lot of credit for you know sticking it out for so long and trying to do well not only in short course but long course as well it's really tough yeah, I feel like one of the hardest things with that transition is not just the swap to the big pool, but also it's just like nowhere near the same hype as NCs. And, you know, Hugo, you're talking about what it's like to have, you know, to be a part of the team. And that'd be such a huge component to the success and the enjoyment out of um, not only like training and practice, but also these meets. And like a lot of times these international meets, they just, they could be a lot quieter. <laughs> And like your team section isn't the same. You're not competing for team points. Uh, what's the model like in Spain for qualifying, Hugo? What's the model for you doing like world and Olympic qualifying? How's that work? Yeah, there, there's usually a um, national trials by April. So like two, three weeks after NCs. Mm -hmm. um, they, they usually on um, those days every year. So this year I had to skip that um, just because I wanted to make sure I had a good base of training, especially after NC. So I didn't want to uh, rush it or like risk it, uh, trying to Spain. It's like, a, I think 15, 16 hour fly. So it will also mess up with the schedule of classes and everything. So I just rather stay here, keep training. And then luckily this year, they're kind of the minor national meet as a qualifying meet uh, to hit the cats uh, to qualify for awards or, or Olympics next year. Mm -hmm. So the goal would be just, heading back to Spain to compete at the Mayan Ocean, hitting the cast that I want to hit uh, my events, and then I head back and keep training here. Do you think next year, without having to worry about NCs, is a good timing for you with the Olympics and all those competitions coming up? Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I wouldn't say it's easier because I feel like for me, uh, a big part of my motivation to swim is to race for for something bigger than myself. It could be my team, it could be my coaches. There's had to be something other than myself, right? And next year, I feel like that, like the change of going to pro is gonna be a, a very individualized focus, even if I'm training with the guys, because I know like whenever they're gonna be tapered for a team meetings, uh, team meets are gonna be having to like think about my own needs, maybe like 
Yeah, it's really nice that we still have a, a pro group, like Murphy's there, um, Abby's there, Sean is there. So we have a couple of guys, Hunter's there too. Um, so I wouldn't say it's easier, but it's definitely gonna be different. So I'm just hoping that it's gonna give me more time to focus on uh, things that I don't usually have time for, like such as recovery pr uh, practice or, um, you know, everything else that doesn't involve time in the swimming pool. I know, obviously, NC's is pretty fresh, so just finishing up there. And Dustin, you can hop in here, maybe after Hugo. But with the NIL, we've been talking with a lot of college athletes about sponsors and things like that. Have you started to wrap your head around maybe focusing more on sponsors or that type of environment and what you might try to do to, like you said, try to make the longevity more feasible for you? Yeah, so it's funny that you said that because, like, I was just talking to our – uh, compliance officer Justin at Cal and I was like you know just getting into it like I didn't want to dive like too deep and I was just trying like I was basically asking like hey what are the rules in California because every state has different rules when it comes to NIO so I was just asking him okay like what are what are the logistics like what are the rules I have to follow so when I do reach out to brands from my end I know like I'm more educated so and it makes it so it makes the um, negotiating more easier but at this point, I haven't been really um, exploring NIL as much as I should be. But um, maybe in the summer, I'll definitely start, you know, trying to promote myself more, talk to brands and, you know, get my name out there. Brian, what would your sponsors have been? Oh. Sorry, go ahead, John. I was going to ask you, Brian, what would your sponsors have been in college? <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. Uh, like, I can't even imagine thinking back so, then. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, it's not much nutrition change, but I, mostly I would have thought about like products that I used on a regular basis. Like there were protein bars that I really liked using stuff like that. And actually that's where I started first because, um, you know, I think maybe, maybe a lot of swimmers do this now, but the way that I was able to like have a quote pro career as somebody who, um, you know, I had an American record, but I never made the Olympic team and, um, and I like swam at some of the bigger like short course worlds, but I was never on the A team, but like I was still able to get by. And the way that I was able to get by is I went out on my own and just generated some sponsorships from maybe like lesser known places. Um, one of which was like, I wrote a ton of letters. I just was like relentless at contacting brands. And the whole thought process was like anything that I used so like protein, you know, supplements, um, Budweiser training products, <laughs> definitely <Yeah>. bud heavy. <laughs> <laughs> you remember the days actually, they used to sponsor triathletes and I think they even did some swimming sponsorships for Bud Light. Bud Light needs some help with sponsorships lately. They've been in the news, <laughs> but, um, so, yeah. but yeah, man, I think that was, that was where I started. Just like, what do I use and what do I like already? Go reach out to those brands and at least see if I can get it for free and offset costs. Cause if I'm paying for it, I want to stop paying for it. And then if they want to pay me on top of that to do some ambassadorship or whatever, like that's cool. So I don't know. What would that be for you, Destin? No, that's actually uh, funny. You said that like supplements are so expensive once you start adding them up. So like, I would definitely start there. And then also like, I was like also thinking about like suit brands. So like, you know, tier arena speedo, I think that would be an also, also like a great avenue to look into. So just starting there, I would love to just partner with, um, either, like you said, a supplement brand just because to offset costs. And then also like, it's also nice to try different suits as well to see like what technology is, um, up to par nowadays, because it's interesting because, you know, a, a speedo valor versus a, a Mizuno, right. They're two different suits. Mm -hmm. So, and then at Cal, we're sponsored by Speedo. So we're only allowed to wear Speedo during our collegiate season. So now, like, since we're branching off into the summer, I'm like, I'm like really excited to start trying like different suits and seeing what's working for me and what, um, what other suit brands are coming up with. Hugo, how does that work for you as an international athlete? I remember we talked with Maggie McNeil and she was saying she couldn't really collect some of the NIL because of how the Canadian rules worked with uh, being a, a U.S. athlete. I know you've done some stuff with like Speedo Spain in the past. Um, how, how did the NIL work for you and perhaps how's it looking for you moving forward? Yeah, kind of same thing. I feel that uh, NCAA rules regarding NIL apply to everyone, even international uh, athletes. So what I was getting was um, basically 
equipment, materials. I was getting uh, tech suits, gowls, caps from the state of Spain. And well, now that I'm graduating, I'm, um, I'm hoping to make that more kind of a, a deal. Right, it's just getting um, free equipment, which is what we get here um, at the college. But yeah, the goal would be just like turn swimming into more like professional, you know, like not just calling myself like a professional swimming, but actually treating myself, my routine, my sponsors, my, my daily life as a, like all around swimming, at least until next year, which is the Olympics. That would be, that would be the focus. Mm. So Hugo, maybe, I don't know if I heard it just right. Um, are, are you going to stay at Cal and train or are you going to um, somewhere else and train? Um, well, for now, I just have the option to come back home. Uh, I know Bentil is there in Barcelona with a couple yeah. of international swimmers and a couple of Spanish swimmers in the national team. Um, so I can always travel back and forth. Um, so I'm right in the middle of conversations with Dave and the coaches back home to figure out what's the best plan to swim fast at the Olympics next year. So that's kind of, I'm still deciding that. But for now, um, you know, this is the place that I trust the most just because I've been here for four years and I've been getting my British roles here. So right now I'm just um, kind of relying on whatever they think is best to follow that. Tough life, traveling back and forth from Spain to California. <laughs> yeah, I wish it was closer, but <laughs> yeah. so far, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just mean there, uh, especially um, you know the training environments that you've got. There could be could be uglier places in the world to be uh, having to live and train and bounce around as a pro swimmer. It's a tough life. Hey, Jersey's yeah. up there, right? Yeah, Jersey. You know, compared to like Hugo just said, fifteen hour flight. Like I complained about like a three hour time change, and Hugo's over here just you know doing fifteen hour flights. So no complaints over here. <laughs> I don't know, man. Sometimes I think the uh, the short the the cross country um, time change is a little more difficult, even than doing like yeah. a bigger total reset. You know, like eight twelve hour time change sometimes is even easier because it's just like I, I don't even know why it's just a little more tolerable. Yeah, no. Reese and I would always talk about that. Just like the, we call it, like the coast to coast flights. We're just like. You know, we're excited to go home, but like the first like three days you're home, you just don't want to do anything because like you just want to deflate because you're just so tired. So <laughs> Yeah, and you yeah. sleep till nine and then you feel awful that you slept till nine and everybody else is like, you know, up and moving. Um, yeah, they're 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 like on with their day and you're like, Oh, it's, oh it must be nice. Well, Reese can't get comfortable on a flight. I figured he'd just be nice and snug in those seats, really, really sleep well. <laughs> yeah, my man used to either fight first class or get an exit row, so <laughs> for him to be comfortable. <laughs> Good grief. That must be brutal. I'm 6'4", I'm and I'm like right at the limit of being able to travel in an airline seat and have it be comfortable. And uh, I can't imagine what it's like to be Reese and traveling like that. It was rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so when we're talking about long course, uh, one of the things John and I had been talking about before this conversation was um, how different it is for you guys between your short course events and your long course events. And it's so funny to see like when you look at short and long and how similar some of your overlap is in the short pool, but in the long pool, like how that how that may differ in terms of like what your strengths are. Um, and I'm just curious to hear you guys uh, talk about like, why it is that maybe you're good at some events in the short course pool and then in long course you're better at other events and i mean obviously underwaters is a huge component to that but like it's not uncommon let's say for a lot of people to be good at short course hundred backstroke but then really like not to have the skill set or not the strength to swim a long course hundred backstroke as well and maybe like you know same thing from a 200 swimmer to swim the 200 short course but not swim that 200 equivalent long course and instead just come down to the hundred long course for for example so i don't know who you go what do you think about that for you with like your event schedule and short course is a little bit different than it is in the long course pool why is that um it's very, yeah, I know you're right. It's very different. Uh, once I talk, I'm thinking about myself, I feel like I even have a like completely different events. So like, you know, until this year, my main 200 um, of stroke was 200 pressure yards. 
uh, it's an event that I don't even I don't even prepare for in long course meters. It's just yeah, it's like super weird. Um, I feel like I'm a different swimmer. I feel like it feels like a different sport almost. Uh, same with the uh, IMs. I feel like 200 IM yards is a little short to me to be able to like develop my full speed. Um, and then the 500 IM is also a little longer for me to feel fully comfortable in yards. Uh, it's kind of the same with uh, long course meters. So I feel, I think that's part of the reason why it changes so much. Um, another example is obviously underwater. So I feel, I feel like I got really well with hand and back in long course, um, but that doesn't mean that I really have the power, the power to push on the wall to the 50 meter yard or mark uh, and carry that speed through the walls and yards. So I think it really depends on how explosive you are and what, like how your stroke changes because I don't I don't feel like when you swim, for example, trying to backstroke, the tempo is completely different long course to your mm-hmm. short course yards. Um, same with trying to breaststroke. I feel like I take four strokes during my 200 breaststroke. Uh, and if you, you swap that to long course meters, I might be taking like 15, which is almost like triple amount um, per length. So yeah, it's super tricky. It's super tricky. I feel like also if you were to look at myself, I, I would consider myself as a, a sprinter or mid-D swimmer in long course meters. And then I switch to uh, mid-D to distance in yards. So it's super weird, but it's fun. It's fun to get to experience both pools and uh, play with the strategies because I feel like every skill that you're going to um, master in one of the pools is going to be useful for the other one. Justin, I'm curious, what, what do you, what is your best event long course? Oh, that, that's a good question. Um, I would, I would say like, I just, I don't like to keep like a cap on anything. I like to just not hold myself to one event. I like to do like, you know, hundred free, two back, hundred back to I am. And, you know, Hugo is being humble because he's good at both. (laughs) 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 He is, he is. Um, But just for like my perspective, um, yeah, it's just, like getting back into it with like long course, like we train long course all year at Cal. And um, I think like from my perspective, perspective, at least like why I think I'm better in yards versus like long course is just like what Hugo said, like it's like your explosiveness off the walls and your underwaters. I think that's like something I'm really, really good at in yards. And um, one thing that I'm starting to get to play around with and I think I'm starting to figure out now in long course is just like my rhythm, right? like learning how to like lay off certain muscle groups to um, mm-hmm. to have later in a race long course because it's so much more important, right? So I've been actually, and that's like the great thing like being at Cal because like I'm surrounded by like people like Hugo, Bjorn, Lucas, Murph that are like all really good at long course. So I get to pick their brains on like how they, you know, util- utilize their muscles efficiently long course. Um, cause like, for example, like Hugo, like 4am, right? Like you, you're, you have to be super efficient with each stroke you're going through in yards, every transition. And so that's the reason why, like, he's so good at the 2am long course is because he has that rhythm and flow that nobody else has. And he discovered that through the 4am yards. So like figuring that out for myself is it's really fun actually. And it's like always, and I'm learning a lot and I feel like this summer is going to be really fun for me because like you said, what event I'm good at is um, it's still up in the air. Right. So I'm, I'm just leaving like no stone unturned at this point and, you know, really going full head on on every single race. I saw him coming in, uh, Indianapolis this summer. We were just talking to Gretchen Walsh the other day and she was, um, telling us about how she's experimenting with, uh, a bent arm freestyle, given that she, in a yards pool always swims with straight arm free, but it's really hard to maintain in a long course pool. And so as she's preparing for the big pool, experimenting with ways to conserve energy, to swim efficiently with speed um, mm-hmm. so that she can finish the full hundred. Um, and you know, you're talking about like some of the things that you're learning from like literally the best backstrokers in the world that are part of like the training group that you guys have. Um, are, are there some things like race tactic wise, um, that you're dialing in? I mean, I, you mentioned the, like kind of the flow of the tempo and being more efficient. Is there, are there any things that you're thinking about come like the next pro series meet that's, um, the thing that you're testing in each race? Oh yeah, no, for sure. So like, I'll, I'll say like one thing I'm actually been working on and I actually, Hugo, remember we talked about this was like entering your arms out wider and backstroke instead of more in. Because um, when you're when you're more in and backstroke, like when you start to cross over, like you're not as efficient and you're just utilizing unnecessary energy. And right, like like we said, long courses, you 
you're generating your speed through your tempo, not your turns, like as you do in yards. Mm -hmm. So now I'm experimenting with putting my arms out wider. So I'm, I'm getting to my catch better and I'm more connected. So that's something I've been focusing on in practice. Does that mean that you have a higher stroke rate? Uh, I mean, see, that's the thing, right? Like there's such a fine line between in backstroke or any stroke, at least like spinning and slipping, right? Like increasing your tempo to the point where you're, you're not actually going faster. So one thing I've been playing around with is like when I've been putting my arms out wider, I've been start keeping to a certain stroke count, for example. So like, I'll give you like a set we did, like on Tuesday, we did like, um, some really like hard, um, aerobic work. And we did like a finisher of, um, four rounds of four fifties on a minute, um, pace plus three um backstroke and then one easy so three at pace one easy and during that i was focused on hitting 25 strokes 30 seconds every single time and so that basically gets you into your rhythm with the point like what you're saying right you're not increasing tempo like even though you're coming out to the side more but you're just getting to your stroke more efficiently and using your core being more connected so yeah that's what basically i've been working on a lot mm. what are some like, of the oh go ahead john I was going to say, like Brian mentioned, the, the 200 back at Cal is obviously a staple event. But the 200 back world record has been, you know, untouched for since 09. What are some things, and Hugo, maybe you could start, do you feel like need to happen for people to start pushing that record again? Um, I feel, I don't feel like there is really anything that there has to change to get swimmers, get closer to that world record. I mean, we already seen swimmers, uh, like plenty of them going 51s already and like, you know, getting, getting the, uh, the limit of the hundred backstroke that we thought it was, uh, like untouchable to limits where we didn't think it was going to be. And, you know, like, I think the last hundred backstroke final, uh, was it maybe a world champs or a Tokyo? I think it was the fastest backstroke final ever. And it might not be crazy to see that we could have now 51 guys swimming 51s and not even making the podium in the next years. So I don't think it, there's really anything that has to change. I think it's going to happen eventually. So our goal is just to make sure that we are also developing at the rate that the international swimming is developing. Um, yeah. yeah, I think the water is like 159, 151, and yeah. right now it's been the closest one, 152, maybe. Yeah, yeah I think it's going to happen eventually. I mean, obviously we get to see how the best backstrokers in the world, you know, play with their strategy, play with uh, their speed with like Hunter and, and Ryan Murphy. So the goal is just to get closer to what they do in practice. So we have that confidence uh, heading to the big meets, but it's going to happen eventually. Somebody's going to go 150 and, you know, at some point everyone's going to be swimming 53s in the finals. <laughs> do you think the next person to go 151 comes from your training group? Um, I would like that. I would like that to happen. I mean, it's not crazy because, you know, based on how, based on how the level one backstroke has been here, um, it would not be crazy to see that. I mean, we already have like two uh, backstroke world record holders training with us. So it would be nice to see a 200 backstroke world record holder be here. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. Has, has that ever happened before? Do you think that's such a good point that have you, has there ever been a training group? Maybe, maybe there has where you have, um, the world records and all three distances per stroke training together and uh, have them all three be different people. Yeah. I think that's the big thing, not just being one person, right. Having variety in the, the combination. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I don't know. Tugo, do you like, see, that's the thing. Like we don't I mean, even think, we don't even, yeah. Like we don't even think about it like that, it, which is like the craziest part, right? Like we just like go to practice and just, you know, train hard and then, you know, have good talks in the locker room and then we're off the class or like, you know, off do our own thing. And I think that's like the most special part too about our training group is like, you know, we're like super competitive with each other, like in the water, but we just leave it all in the water. And then outside the pool, we talk about different things. Like I, for example, like me and Ryan today, we're like talking about like venture capital, like presentations, like, cause he's in a class right now with a bunch of athletes and we're just talking about business, like just not about backstroke or you know who's doing what in the world or um you know times are being posted it's just like you know we come to work like go hard in the pool and then you know unwind and then do it again and i think that's what keeps us so healthy honestly and keeps um you know everyone you know training really hard at cow 
So what's going on in the world of VC right now? Oh, looking on the backstroke billionaire boys. They got the, <laughs> the next uh, BBB right there. <laughs> uh, everything's confidential. I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Give us that Silicon Valley info. Come on now. Yeah, no SVB. You know, I can't. I can't. SVB is. Uh, yeah, that you really bad, so. yeah, you, you guys can come. <laughs> yeah Dude, every time i drive past the first republic bank i'm like ooh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that's that's cool though and i think um that having having a lot of things going on outside of of the pool or things to keep your mind fresh is is good but it's a it's a fine balance too i think like you gotta you gotta really that's the tough thing about being a professional athlete or even like an elite college athlete in um, this day and age is like you have to balance a lot of things. And I think sometimes it's really hard to not over index in one direction or the other, you know, and I've seen it happen with a lot of people both ways, including myself, where like uh, too many things happen outside of the pool and then it detracted from swimming. But then you can also have the not enough going on outside of the pool because the focus is all about, you know, all my eggs are in the basket about like going toward Olympic trials and then, you know, then it's just too much going on. There's so much pressure and you like, it's almost like life. That's what life is, you know? And I, I just think it's, um, it's difficult to, to find that balance sometimes. Do you, do you guys feel like you've kind of dialed that in and you are able to kind of hold yourself in within the guardrails of what's healthy for you personally and mentally? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, I could start this off and then Hugo, you could like finish yeah. it, but no, it, it's definitely like, like you said, Brian, it, it is tough. Like, you know, find that fine line between, you know, chasing like two avenues you're really passionate about, whether, you know, academics, you know, and business and then swimming, right? Because it's hard, it's hard being, you know, good at both because when you're trying to achieve, you know, world-class athletics and, you know, world-class academics at the same level, it can, it can take a lot out of you. And it's so funny you said that because like, when school's over and I'm in the summer and I just solely focus on swimming and training, like I just get so obsessive and locked in and I start like thinking about like, Oh, I could have done better in this practice. Or like, I, I, I should have like, you know, pushed hard on like these last hundred repeats we should have been doing. And it like eats at your head a little bit. And then that can like affect your confidence. And that's like something I'm still trying to find. Like, I think it's like a never ending process to find that fine line between what you're passionate about outside the pool and in the pool, because, when, when you're trying to like achieve aspirations of, you know, making an Olympic team, making a world's team, it, it takes the, like that obsession of doing what people aren't willing to do, like in practice and pushing yourself every day. And then also like trying to uphold yourself, like in the classroom. And it, it's tough sometimes find that fine line. And I wish I could give you an answer to that. And I, and honestly, like, I still haven't found that yet. So. Well, how's that going to shape uh, what you do this summer? You know, that's a good question because I'm actually like thinking about doing like a light internship this summer um, for a small property equity firm in New York City. So and the the CFO is actually really understanding and he's like, you know, we'll walk around your schedule and we'll, you know, accommodate for your training and, um, you know, make sure you're achieving all your endeavors in the pool and then also in the internship as well. How's that going to affect your beard? Uh, and you know as long as they show up in a button up i think i'll be fine but you know we'll see <laughs> i might have to start shaving now <laughs> i don't know man that's gonna mess with your swimming though if you're shaving mid-season ah <laughs> uh, it's okay it's okay we'll make you're wearing, that much of a difference. wearing suits to work wearing suits to dual mates it's a slippery it, slope man it is it is <laughs> you go where's your mustache it's gone but yeah i mean i don't think i shave I don't even like shaving now for NCs or anything. Um, but the face is different. The face, face doesn't affect swimming. It's just the looks. What do you think about these guys that go to big meets and don't shave? Like don't shave their face. Um, it really depends on who it is. If it is Destin, I know he's gonna be swimming, be swimming fast. Doesn't matter if he's shaving or not. No, it's cool. It's good to see people pushing themselves without shaving. I mean, I feel like at this point, um, you know, we've seen it with ACU. Um, I'm not sure if they shave or not, but I didn't see much hair on them. But I feel like everybody's free to do whatever they want regarding swimming. But it's always cool to see somebody swimming fast with hair. And, I, you know, I think the last image of somebody swimming really fast with a mustache was Tamash Shekhan breaking the 100 bachelor world record. 
So it's you know you can swim fast anytime. It doesn't it doesn't really matter how much hair you have, unless you're like a bear. You think you could have been a hundred faster with no mustache? I what? Say that again. You think he could have been one one hundred faster if he shaved the mustache? <laughs> um, you know, maybe not. Maybe have the passive effect on feeling fast with the mustache. You don't know. <laughs> what do you think is like the ultimate um, flex on your competitors? Is that it? Just to like set a world record where you're like, nah, I didn't even suit up for this or I didn't even fully shave for this. Or the one that always gets me is when um, like people talk about how I'm not rested for this or oh, we didn't taper for this. Didn't but it's taper. like, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, but you're Full still day rest. So <laughs> <Good taper. laughs> Don't day rest. That's the mind game that so many swimmers play. What do you think is like the most uh, invoking fear in their competitors thing that somebody can do? Oh, no. I think I, no, yeah, you go, you go, you got it. You got it. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I think the worst thing is like, like when you see somebody like post an insane time in prelims and they're not even breathing hard. That's the ultimate flex. When they're just out of the water and not even breathing hard. That's when you, you know, know that's when you know they're they're firing. That's when you know that I think that's the biggest flex because like you don't even need to say anything. It's just like you get out and like I don't know, let's say like somebody posts like a 155 two back and not even breathing hard, you know they're gonna be firing later in the final. So I think that's the ultimate flex, honestly. Okay, be honest. Have you ever had a morning swim like that where you knew that you were were quick and you wanted to give the impression to everyone else that it was easy. So you touch the wall and then you just immediately jump right out and try to walk as smoothly as you can. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit, I've, I've done that before, but I think the one race I think I, I actually like successfully did it well was two back prelims at NC's in Minneapolis. Like that 136 flowed really well. And, you know, just coming off like the race schedule that I had that meet and still putting up a, that time in the prelim, I was like, you know, I think tonight will be good and we'll, we'll, it'll be a fun race. So I think that was like the one time, but it's, it's so rare for that to happen. Like when you just can get out of a pool, especially after two back and you're just like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm good. But isn't the opposite the worst? Have you ever had those where you, you finish prelims and you're like, oh, that didn't feel bad. And then at night you go slower and you're like dying and you're like, what the hell just happened? This morning felt so smooth. Yeah. I knew I was going to go faster and then I, God, I'm hurt and I put all my effort in and didn't get there. Yeah. See, isn't that crazy about like swimming, like the sport? It's just like, you could, you could have like one thing go for you so well in like one race and then you come back a couple hours later and then it just, you know, doesn't come the way you want it to come. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how yeah. And let me remind you, Destin, that was not even the only race that you did that. Uh, I didn't see this. I think, what was the last race that we had? Was it 2 a.m. that we started together or something? Oh, and I we started talking as soon as we finished. Yes, you're yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, was, yeah. I, and then you're like, oh, let's be better tonight. And like, I was like, yeah, let's go. Then I just go like 140. <laughs> then you went 138. <laughs> that was so funny, actually. You reminded me of that. Ew, it was packed close. <laughs> we were talking yeah. to each other after. Just like as soon as he finished. Yeah, I thought like, like, Dave's going to be mad because we were laughing instead of breathing heavily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> How important. So, uh, this reminds me, one of the things that I'm a terrible napper and, um, my best evening swims came when I got a good nap, but because I was a bad napper, I was a pretty good prelim swimmer. And then a lot of times, like I would go about the same time at night, but I had a tough time, like, unless it was a relay swim or something, it got super hyped. It was hard for me to back it up. And I, I chalked a lot of that up to just like whether or not I had a good nap. Uh, are there any things for you guys that help you swim fast at night, like with the triggers or behaviors? Um, well, personally for me, I, I like to do, to like save all the cards for the, for the finals. So let's say like if I usually get a coffee in the morning, uh -huh. uh, I usually don't get anything. I try to do my best performance uh, without any other resources that I would normally use. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when I head into the finals, if I know that I can get a good nap, if I know I can get coffee, if I know I can get like, um, you know, a good a good wake up swim, a good warm up, and you know, maybe like an extra uh, twenty five fast to get my hurry up or something different that that I didn't do in the morning. That's what that's what usually what brings my confidence up um, heading to finals. So I know 
hey, it doesn't matter what I did this morning. I have done things better at the night to swim faster. Hugo, have you ever saved a little bit and had it backfire on you with the ninth place though? And I feel like Nathan Adrian, for example, was, in my opinion, the master in his era of getting eighth place in the morning or getting just like just enough, you know, sixth or seventh or eighth or doing the right thing in prelims to get into the semifinal. It's like it's a real art when you get to a certain level to be able to a have the talent and the ability to like do enough to get by, but not expend so much energy that you're sacrificing your semifinal or your final swim. So, but has, has that ever come back to bite you, Hugo? Yeah. I mean, every, every morning swimming at 4am, um, <laughs> I feel like that's, <laughs> that's like the hardest part of the sport of this uh, swimming is that, um, I feel like if you just want to score points, uh, sometimes it's kind of easy, uh, to plan your strategy because it's just waking up and do your best performance in the morning and then getting that spot in the final to score points. But once you're past that point, once you're, once you're trying to win races to get like uh, top places uh, at finals, you're also trying to not overwork the mornings because they're not gonna give you any advantage. Like it doesn't matter if you're racing in lane three, lane five, lane six. If you have a spot, you can you can race for the, uh, to win. And that's what I feel like at that time that I got my place, um, it was half like overconfidence of knowing that I could like I was fighting for to win, not just to make a final. And uh, yeah, also not using all like all the resources that I had to be able to have uh, maybe not the best time at that time, but you know, closer to that. Yeah, Hubi yeah. uh, coach was telling us that Bob told him not to have a there's not a European morning in the four IM this year at NC's. Um has uh, Dave or any of your coaches ever told you that, Hugo? They haven't. No, it's the first time I've heard this. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know i could i could add all that to do like i remember like at invite this year minnesota i got ninth in the two back after prelims and i cruised it too hard so it, it's just like it, it goes back to you know bite you sometime but i think at the end of the day like what really gives you confidence at meets is like knowing your body knowing what you need at that certain time of the period because that's what's so tricky about, you know, tapering and resting is your body's different every year and your body has different needs. So like, for example, like the 200 backstroke, when I, before the 135 at Minnesota, I only warmed up like an 800 before the two back, because at that point, my body was just so fired and ready to go by the time I was, you know, fourth day at the meet where knowing your body and what it needs really gives you that confidence behind the blocks. Well, Gabe Jet told us, Scott, he just needed a pile of caffeine pills for that last day of NCAA. So hopefully <laughs> you guys uh, can find that balance for you. But Gabe told yeah. us all types of stuff. Let's be honest. Gabe is like one of the most confident and no, actually not one of the most humble people I've ever met. He humblest there. The humblest. He's yeah, the he was most most humble. <laughs> you guys believe that he uh, went a hundred in Durden's car, his Tesla? That's what he told us. You believe the story? Oh, I am not going to admit to that because I don't want Durden texting me after this podcast after <laughs> he sees it. So <laughs> that's that's for between him and uh, Dave to figure out. <laughs> hey, he already said it on our show <laughs> that he went over hundred miles an hour in that Tesla. <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, busted. Um, all right. So what are you guys most looking forward to uh, this summer? I mean, what's, 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 what are the goals? What's, um, what are you expecting for this summer? Maybe Hugo, you go first. Yeah, for me, I'm not really, I'm not really thinking about any specific times or any specific meet. I just, I just want to be able to have the same kind of performance that I have in the yards or that I had Chokers yards a couple of months ago into the long course pool. Um, I feel like, I mean, the closest examples that I can think of are the IMers like Leon and, um, and Foster. They've just been so smooth at transition that speed and their, their way to approach swimming into long course pool that uh, my goal is just to be able to join them and you know feel comfortable in all the strokes and all the distances because I feel like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how not in shape I was um, I was always able to pull myself back and get ready for NCs this last four years 
And I haven't been really able to do that in long course meters also because, you know, we're talking, we're talking before about the find that sweet spot and not having too many things on the plate or too little things on the plate. Um, and, you know, and now, we're, now we're thinking about other stuff and not just thinking about swimming. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to is just finding that sweet spot uh, towards the summer where there's not really more school, there's not really more things going on, but you also don't want to be obsessed about it. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to right now. Do you set specific goal times? Um, yes and no. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say they're goal times. I would say that they're, um, like they're not objectives. I, I wouldn't feel uh, disappointed if I didn't get them, but I would definitely like to, I don't have times that I would like to achieve um, before I retire. Okay. If that makes sense. Fair enough. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Destin? What's uh, what's on your horizon for the summer besides uh, this this shave down internship? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for me at least, it's just um, world world trials for sure in um, Indianapolis. And you know, going back to what Hugo said, I think the thing I'm looking forward to the most for me is swimming up to the expectations I know I, I can do in long course. Mm-hmm. And just chasing that, I think that's the best thing because forget about times, forget about expectations. I know like if I can swim the way I do yards and translate to long course, everything will take care of itself. So for me this summer, I'm just looking forward to to get better at long course. That's plain and simple. Yeah, fair enough. Go ahead, You mentioned it's kind of technically the backstroke and maybe how you're trying to adjust that for more long course. What else do you think has been maybe holding you back from having that yard success transfer into long course? Yeah, that's a great question. And for me, it's at least just just tempo and getting into my stroke quicker because I do decelerate a lot in my backstroke entry, which is not good for long course backstroke. So going out with my arms wider and being more connected will help me get into my catch more efficiently and more quicker. And that will basically help me be able to swim faster in long course. And it's not just that too. Like I've been experimenting with like freestyle as well, just getting to my breaths quicker and setting my catch with, with a higher elbow. So it's all a bunch of, and that's what I love about long courses because me and Hugo talk about this all the time. It's about being as efficient as possible and exerting the least amount of energy. So just playing around with all that stuff really keeps my love for the sport alive because I'm learning something every day. And with you guys, yeah, like we talked about, the event versatility has got to keep it fun, too. I mean, Dustin, 100 free long course, some might say is your like, best long course event. So, and Hugo, like he mentioned, 200 breast yards, but not even something you focus on. So that must kind of keep it interesting for both of you guys having such versatility and things that you can always find something new to focus on. Yeah. Dude, Destin, I feel like you'd rip a hundred free long course. I like. I'm excited to watch that event. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, guys, but. I'm excited too. After that 129 I saw, I was like, ah, hundred free is looking a little fun now. <laughs> no, for sure. It definitely man. hurts. Like, it, it hurts less than hundred backstroke long course for sure. You can quote me on that. Hundred back long course <laughs> hurts so much compared to hundred free. You go. Hugo, agree, do you agree with that so much about? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, I don't know. I feel like mastery for me. I don't, I don't even have to warm it up. Like you know, like doing practices. There's usually like scoring drills, and I always make sure that I get I hit some uh, fire drills and, and breaststroke kick and a little like um, freestyle swing in it. But I feel like mastery is just natural. Like it just comes with it. So no, nah, Destiny, I disagree with you so much. Oh my! I don't know. We were talking about this morning. Remember, we're doing the 150s backstroke pull, and then you're we're like, dude, this is so hard. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I guess. <laughs> oh, I just think it's so funny how um, guys who swim such similar times as you guys do in certain events can have such a different perspective too when you talk about like, you know, how it differs in a long course pool or whatever. It's just, um, it, it'll endlessly be that way. So it's always fun to just be able to, that's, like the environment that you guys are in is so cool to be able to have such different skill sets in the same training group at such an elite level to be able to pick their brains like and see 
firsthand what everybody's doing, what Murph's doing, what Hunter's doing. And like, you know, and they learned with, with Pebbly there before. And there's just like, there's so many skill sets there that, um, yeah, I can see why you go, you're like, Hey, I'm in a good spot. Cause I train well here and I get the best of all. If I go to Spain, some good guidance too, but like, man, just infuse your brains with, uh, you know, what you see and observe the, the masters of their craft do on a daily basis. That's, you know, I, I have to say, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys will both go on to do really cool, fun things in your lives. And swimming is not the only thing in life for sure. Right now it's a big thing, but like also how many times in your life are you going to develop mastery, like true mastery and a skill and you guys are in it right now where you're like, you've achieved mastery in something. And that's a rare thing to be able to do. Maybe you won't replicate it again in life at this level. I don't know, you know, and that's soaking in, man. That's awesome. Happy for you. Yeah, no, okay, thank yeah, you guys. Yeah. Um, okay. A few rapid fire questions and then we'll let you go. Uh, Hugo, what is the hardest race in swimming? Four AM. No doubt. <laughs> Justin, hardest race. Four AM. Four AM. All right. Justin, Olympic gold or world record? Olympic gold. You go? Olympic gold. You go. Do you pee in the pool? No. Liar. Destin, do you pee in the pool? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right Justin what's uh what's one event that you know you'd be good at but you never actually get a chance to swim shaven tapered oh good question I I would say two free because it's the same day as two back okay so yeah I never had the opportunity to swim two free long course yeah what about you Hugo that we never had, we never, never will have. What's what's one event that you like never really get to, to get to race when you're when you're fully shaved and tapered because it's right. other events you're you're better at other events but you know you'd be good at that event you just always have to say no to it. Uh, to back a hundred fly, to back is always with the two AM, and yeah. hundred fly I never done it, but I remember doing a fifty two oh and not taper me. Admission, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> All right. Maybe we just need to change the event order. Um, speaking of event orders, NCAAs. Uh, if you could add an event to NCAAs and take one away, you have to trade one. Which event would you add and which event would you take away, Dustin? Ooh. You know what? I really hate the three ones double triple like doing the 100 back prelims 100 back finals and 100 back in the four medley it hurts so much so i would say swap that out like swap the four medley for something else i would say switch that around with another event but you got to delete it though so like that means the four medley is not an event at the oh I All right, swap it for the 800 medley that day you asked for it dustin <laughs> your wish is our command you're welcome you get your yeah. extra 200 free. There you go. Have some <laughs> Yeah. But what yeah, about I you? Just, yeah. Um, what would you add? What would you take away? Well, I've already had my best performance in 4IM. We've already seen the new NCA record going to off limits, so we can get rid of that one. <laughs> and be, uh, I'll add the 300 IM. I feel like that would be a sweet distance spot for like people that yeah. can only, like people are just like there's swimmers that swim to IM that are not really IMers it's just just have good speed um, and there is swimmers that swim for IM because they're distance swimmers so I will have a few IM to see like true IMers what they can do oh three that's IM. a good one that's a good one Hugo I would rather watch a three IM than a four IM I think to be honest that'd be cool I would like that I think the most common one is hundred IM I hear people say why is the hundred IM not an NCA event and I think it should be <laughs> yeah that would be a crazy event to watch. Yeah. Just, yeah. just so much like speed and power and just in one race, just all the transitions. It would be really fun. The 100 IM would be fun to watch. So wait, if the 100 IM was an event at NC's this year, who do you think would have won it? Ooh, Leon. You think? Leon, yes, yeah. for sure. It's hard yeah. to say if you go out in 44 and a 2 IM, then it's not going to be you, so... Yeah, fair yeah. enough. All right. Uh, well, so at the women's meet, we saw Kate Douglas win the. Wait, did she win? The, she didn't win the fifty free, but she's done. Has the skill set to do the fifty free. She obviously won it last year, and then, um, uh, you know, NCAA record of the two hundred breast. 
such a weird combo of events. And I'm thinking, if you look at your team, can you guys imagine Bjorn or Jack Alexi doing the 200 breaststroke? <laughs> <laughs> and if so, what would they go? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure if we suggested that to Bjorn, he would he would say that he could do it. I, I hope um, Bjorn could break two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, so, and Jale- uh, Hugo, have you ever seen? Jack, do breaststroke in practice? I've never seen it. It's not a thing. Does it exist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, that would right, so, be funny to watch. Yeah. The, the next time you guys do social kick, then you got to ask that question and get this thing going. Maybe we get it on film so we can see these guys doing breaststroke in practice. <laughs> oh, that'd be hilarious to watch. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much uh, for hanging out with us. It's good to chat with you and um, looking forward to seeing what you do this summer and, you know, further in your career. So um, appreciate you. And um, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian and Dr. John. As we always say, go Bears. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, guys. All right. That's it for this episode of Social Kick. We'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it, and be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick, and you can find all of our content on our website.